We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. Today, we have a really great guest on, as usual. All of our guests are great, but today, we actually have someone on who is an internet friend of mine, and I love making internet friends because you basically, it's like meeting friends through like a club. Like, I feel like I've just like started a club of the people that I just love so much that are um, in like the sex education space or sex positivity space and body positivity and all of that kind of, you know, that kind of space. We have Gordon on today, and he has a... Instagram account and it's called fuck yep sex positive and I can't remember how we initially started to like become friendly I think he just followed me on Instagram and then I saw his page and I was like oh my god this is great followed him back and now we've we've become you know friends and he is he's super interesting he has a really interesting sort of character arc into what his life is now he's also like such a soft-spoken guy. He's so sweet. He was so nervous to do this podcast and he did such a great job. And I'm, I'm so happy that he came on. We talked a lot about like his journey from being in a really conservative household and to now having a lot more of like an open lifestyle with his sexuality and with his marriage and all of that great stuff. So I was so happy that he came on. He did such an amazing job and you guys are going to love him. Well, Gordon, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yay. We've been like, we've been working on this for so long I'm, and this is, I'm excited to actually like have, have the chat. Yeah. Lots to cover. Yeah. Lots to cover. <laughs> so, um, we met each other through Instagram. Yes. You have an account, fuck yeah, sex positive. No. And you post obviously really sex positive things. And, and also I appreciate that a lot of your stories are just like about being neurodivergent and some like just mental health stuff, but kind of in like a lighter, funny way. And so it kind of balances out, you know, actually like dealing with those things, but you, you, it's actually like a pretty, you go back and forth between it, I guess, being personal in terms of what you're sharing and just being like overall pot like sex positive what encouraged you to create the account to to go back a little bit uh the the humor and the mental health part of it i think just from my own like life experience that's how i handle the things that we can't control right like humor is the best way to like diffuse sort of that like just inherent tension when it comes to mental illness and especially like with other people like 
getting people comfortable to talk about mental illness can be really challenging. And a lot of times you can use humor to sort of like, just like sneak your way in there and be like, hey, this is actually cool to talk about. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, I think the, the, the whole like genesis for the account sort of came from being a part of the LDS uh, religion. Um, they don't like to be called Mormon anymore. Despite spending uh, like a billion dollars on an advent campaign talking Ugh. about like I'm a Mormon, and now they're like mm, that's actually a bad word. And it's like, oh, is it? God. No, it's not. That's so interesting. Why do you why do you think they did that? Like, why do they feel like Mormon is a bad word, but LDS is fine? Because LDS to me just like is so close to the FLDS and Mormon. I feel like I I know Mormon people who are not fundamentalists. So why no. I don't understand that. Yeah. Um. I mean, because the full name of the church is ridiculous in itself, but it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I, like, my brain still doesn't understand that sentence structure, but it's whatever. (laughs) I think a lot of it probably came from, like, negative connotations around, Mm. like, Mormons, and they're like, "Mm, what if we just rebranded? Unfortunately, uh, there's a whole ass history that exists in the world of people that know and have been through it. I don't pretend to know the ways that the, the church <laughs> makes their decisions. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. So, oh, sorry, we were talking about when you created the account and like what mm-hmm. made you want to want to start it. So you were saying growing up in that environment. Yeah, and the environment was, uh, I mean, purity culture like exists in, uh, I would say, a, probably a, a large majority of religions in one form mm-hmm. of another. And so like within the LDS church, it's, you know, very much like you don't date until you're 16. Uh, You have all these other rules about like, oh, you shouldn't be alone with a person of the opposite sex. I don't want to say repressive like ideology, but like kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, with, with all of that and then having my own journey once I left the church and being like, oh, actually like all of these things are not like inherently terrible like that was just like a big moment for me (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it it was it was more of like me wanting to create something at at the very beginning just just for me just like as an experiment as a like oh i want to like do this thing that combines some of my skills together and also provides like a space where people can, you know, feel comfortable either like asking questions or coming to learn information and just kind of like, it kind of grew from there with like, oh, like I also want to do like mental health. I also want to do like body image. Like, mm-hmm. like these things are things that like, I don't know if they affect, I think more people than probably they realize affects them, you know, because a lot of it is just like societal or environmental and, Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this for like a few months mm-hmm. and like it'll be a way for me to like do some design work, which I, I like to do like personally. I I would never do it professionally because that's a lot of criticism. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it was it was kind of something that like got positive feedback mm-hmm. in a way that I wasn't necessarily like expecting you know, that that's a form of encouragement. And you're like, oh, <laughs> maybe I'll just like keep this. doing this. Yeah. Kind of, it sounds like it was like sort of an outlet for you and like a space for you to explore. 
and it ended up building a little community, which is, which is really cool. Like that's kind of like, I feel like that's what social media was supposed to be and is now spun out into something else. But that was like the good natured intention of social media was that community building. Yes. And also like at the same time, it's also been like, just because I like, personally, I just love like learning and having new experiences and like, any any reason that I can be like, oh, I should look into this or I should look into that, you know, like whatever. It, it was a good like built in sort of excuse to look into things that either I was curious about or I had friends that had questions about um, and just kind of like for my own knowledge that I could then like, you know, be like, well, if this person's asking it, probably more than one person wants to know this information in the world. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been uh, interesting so far. Yeah. So you were talking a little bit about growing up in the Mormon community and how conservative that is. And one of the things that you kind of touched on was how there's a lot of like morality that is unnecessarily tied to the way that people explore their sexuality when in reality, there's no like inherent good or bad with sexuality as long as everything's like consensual and safe. Yep. What was the like, process for you wanting to like let go of that like weird morality and actually explore what you want to what you want to explore I feel like therapy (laughs) yeah no I mean uh so like when I was in college like I had been like fairly I mean this isn't like unique to me but I was fairly like depressed in in high school um to the point of like being suicidal so my, my high school experience wasn't great. <laughs> and I think, you know, from that, I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm just like frustrated with things or I'm like sad about something or whatever. And then like, as I kept getting older and I like went to college and then like in college, I was, you know, diagnosed with bipolar type two. And then like things started clicking into place. And I think that was kind of like me being like, oh, there's actually reasons for why I'm like this. And so like in regards of like the morality part of the church, it kind of tied into that because there was so much within the church that like, it's, it's the saying of like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, so much of this world existed and I was just like in this little tiny box, you know, in this little bubble being protected. I'm like, mm, I'm safe. <laughs> um, it, it kind of like that learning that about myself kind of was the spark of like, I want to know what else there is that like, I necessarily didn't know existed just because of the way that I grew up and the people that I grew up around and like what that environment was. Mm -hmm. And so once you're out of the church, for some people, it's like, you know, well before they leave. I think for me, it was probably a little bit before I left. But I think there's usually a little bit of like, time after you leave the church where the world starts like coming more into focus and out of the like i guess veil that was you know existing between you um and so i i think a lot of the sort of journey that i i set myself on was i'm gonna treat everything as if it's just neutral like every, and when i say everything i mean like everything that the church taught me i'm going to teach it all like it's neutral and kind of just see where that takes me 
and uh, a lot of that uh, took me to bad decisions. So, yeah. you know, yay for learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you started at a neutral place and then you were able to determine which side of the fence those activities were, and that's okay. Yeah. It's also interesting that, like, being diagnosed with bipolar 2, that that was, like, a big catalyst for you wanting to be able to explore other things because I feel like, like, that's one of the reasons why like getting a diagnosis in general is so important because even if like, like I think you actually posted about this recently and this was like, this, it was actually like such a heartbreaking way to put it, but it's true that when you get diagnosed with something like that, like it's a life sentence, you deal with that in one way or another forever. But yeah. at the same time, it allows you to like give yourself permission to accept those things and then like make room to explore all of these other things. Yep. Yep. I think because a lot of a lot of it like and this is and this is how it kind of tied into like the spark for morality from bipolar was is that like I don't think people realize like how much I'm when I say people I mean people outside of the church realize how much like self-worth is tied into like living by like the rules mm -hmm. and like if you if you break a rule then you have to you know go to the bishop which is like the local leader of of the church in your area and like tell your sins um and like be repentant and you know go through this whole repentance process where you're not taking you know the bread and the water because mm -hmm. Mormons don't drink alcohol, so it was water. <laughs> yeah, hydration. <laughs> um, One thing about those Mormons, they stay hydrated. They are very hydrated. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's like, it, it, you, you start to realize that there are things about yourself that is just the way your brain is wired, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because I'd always be like, oh, I'm like spending a lot of money. I'm buying a coffee and then not even drinking it. Like, I am an idiot. What am I doing? Right. Uh, and then you're like, oh, that's actually a symptom of bipolar disorder where you're spending lots of money making really bad choices. And you're like, oh, oh this this all like uh, makes sense. That's that's interesting. incredibly awkward. That's interesting. Wait, so like one of the symptoms of of well, and that's another thing, too, I think about when you're when you actually are diagnosed for things, you dig into these like little symptoms. And that's why, like, you know, people like like it's very easy to diagnose yourself through like a TikTok or whatever, but when you actually is get, it though? Is it easy? Oh my God. People, people love to diagnose <laughs> themselves in it through a TikTok. But for the yeah. longest time, my for you page was trying to convince me that I was autistic and like, maybe I am, but like I was all of the videos I was, I was getting were like small symptoms of how you might be autistic. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. I got it. Um, but, but that's kind of like the nice part about actually being officially diagnosed. Cause then you, you know, all these like little small nuances of yep. what actually plays into whatever the diagnosis is. So you're saying spending money, like frivolously is, is part of the diagnosis? Uh, well, or, or like I want to be clear that like it is, uh, it affects everyone that has it differently. Um, yeah. For me, that was one of the like, I guess, risk taking behaviors was okay. spending a lot of money when I didn't need to be doing that. But it, you're absolutely right. Like in that when you have when you have like a name to give it mm -hmm. you're then able to be like oh this is something that exists 
these are this is something that I can look into. This is something that I, there's more information available in the world about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just you you basically gain like an entire like new set of tools that you are able to now go into the world and try to manage your symptoms, manage how it is, you know, when you're in an episode or whatever. Um, and it, it just kind of spirals out from there where you just start, like, I think, questioning more mm-hmm. of the things where before you were probably just like, oh, that's just how I am. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important. So when you, when did you decide that Mormonism wasn't for you anymore? Was this after high school? Yeah. So in the church, men, men go on (laughs) missions uh, when they are 19. And so I was in the process of that, of leading up to going on a mission and that's, I think, when I was really like, not even necessarily being like, oh, I'm going to leave the church. It was just like at that point, like questioning whether I was going to go on a mission um, and and really being like, do I believe this enough to be able to go out for two years and try to colonize, I mean, teach other people <laughs> about you know, this religion? Oh, God. Right? Yeah. So... The idea of even having missions be part of like the process, like all men just have to do them, is so psycho. It's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's burning. Everything's fine. <laughs> and two years—that's a long time. Yeah, it 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 is. And I think the further I got away from the church, and the more that like somehow I don't know how I've accumulated a lot of ex-Mormon people in my life, which is mm. hilarious. They've just, we've all just like gravitated towards each other. Yeah. You start to realize, I think that the missions are less about converting people mm-hmm. and more about reinforcing the indoctrination of the church. Yeah. Because these kids are like getting a door slammed in their face every day mm. and it creates that isolation then they're like, it becomes like a very insular process for them of like where it's like, oh, nobody wants to hear this. This is the true church. Like it just becomes yeah. like a circular logic situation. Yeah. If they if they convert people, that feels like a bonus. But I think it's it's more along the lines of like getting people really committed to the church. That's my opinion. It's probably yeah. true. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense because now you're forcing people to like really fight for this cause in the face of people constantly slamming a door and yeah. that i'm sure makes people feel a lot more strongly about about all of it so you were like now you were 19 you decided no, you're, you weren't going to do the mission yeah. um was your family upset or surprised <laughs> um i was a convert to the church and my family was not members Oh, so, I didn't know that. That is so interesting. So were they relieved? Hold on. Hold on to that that feeling you're feeling right okay. now. Okay. I joined the church when I was 15. I had been going since I was like 11 because of my best friend. Because we moved up from California. And then I'm, we went from California, like Los Angeles area, to Spokane, Washington, which is polar opposites. You're going from mm-hmm. a very diverse place to the most not diverse place. Mm-hmm. And so I had this friend that I had met that was close to where we lived. His family was all Mormon. He was the youngest of eight. 
don't ask me why there's so many kids, but it, it was this thing where like the more I hung out, like the more, like I would just be around for church things happening. Right. So I would go, my mom, his mom became like really good friends. Um, our families like were basically a family to each other at that point. Um, and then I converted when I was 15, 16. So at some point along the way, I was in the car with my mom driving to California to move my grandmother from Los Angeles to Spokane. And she <laughs> decides that this is a really great time to uh, be like, um, I didn't want to tell you before because I didn't want to influence your decision, but I used to be Mormon. And I was like, no way. What? At no, at no point in my life was this ever a thing that was like, oh, she used to be this. Because like up until that wow. point, we had been like the people that attend church for Christmas Eve for the songs. Yeah. And like, I didn't really know what to do that. I still don't know what to do with that. But I was just like, uh, uh, all right. Um, and I kind of understand the logic of like her not wanting to affect my decision. But fast forward to after it had been a few years, then my mom rejoined and then my mm -hmm. dad joined. So when I left the church, both my parents had become members. Wow. I wouldn't say they were mad because I think both of them understood. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand how my mom is a member of the church because she is incredibly liberal. And yeah. that does not go along with the church in a lot of ways. Right. She's like, right. women should have authority. And they're like, what are you talking about? Right. The whole thing. Uh, yeah. So they weren't like upset or anything. Uh, at least not outwardly to me, which I think was the best case scenario because, you know, that's how you can grow apart from family is when, you know, they don't necessarily agree with your choices. Yeah. Being a member when I was in my teens was uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So like during the most formative years. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so then when did you start dating? Because I feel like, like people start like, baby dating in middle school here and there and they're I like yeah we're dating word. and then well well god you're right no i mean more like like you say like oh yeah we're boyfriend girlfriend and then you oh, literally yeah. never yeah, hang yeah. out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yep. that in middle school and then once you get to like high school you can like actually go to like the movies or whatever yeah. did you but you weren't allowed to date till you were 16 which is high school yeah but when so when did you start uh 16 because mormon I think probably men and women, but especially Mormon boys are incredibly horny people Yeah, <laughs> because they've well, been repressed for most of their life. Um, yeah. Tell, tell someone that they can't do something and they want to do it so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so 16 is when you're allowed to date. And at that point, it is only group dates that mm. you're allowed to do. So I did a lot of group dates, a lot of bowling, <laughs> okay. uh, a lot of dinner and a movie. Um, you know what? Actually, I don't disagree with group dates while people are young. Like, oh, yeah. I actually, I like the idea in general of like, like, I don't want my, I wouldn't want my kid to like be alone maybe, but yep. like, I like the idea of you guys are just going to go out as group. So I don't, I don't yep. hate the group dates, but, yeah, but that was your, your first experience in dating. Yeah. And it was, yeah. I mean, I, no, I, I, I very much agree with like, because because doing a group date is like, oh, all the pressure is, you know, off like any one person, right? You have like the yeah. whole group dynamic. And then also people can try to keep each other from making dumb decisions. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my dating experience in Spokane. My best friend that 
was the one that had essentially converted me, went to BYU in Idaho, Mm -hmm. which is its own whole set Uh, of bullshit. Wild. But in Utah, things are not how they are in Spokane. Yeah. I went down to visit him once, and the group date idea was that we were going to go to a jewelry store and pick out engagement rings for our fake fiancés. No. That was a group date? I mean group. It was me and him and then two women. Um, Oh, my God. But, yeah. The women were there. So you were hypothetically picking out engagement rings for the women that you were – or girls that you were with. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And at the time, I I was like, yeah, this is normal. This is fine. No alarm bells are going off for me. But, I mean, also, like, that's in line with the church because people marry super young. Yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, because they haven't had sex their entire lives. Right. Like, I got to be able to be allowed to have sex. Right. Oh, my God. It's it it was different because also at the same time i don't know if this is like a utah thing maybe maybe you know the word uh nicmo it's an acronym n c m o so it stands for non committal makeout and <sighs> this was just a thing that existed on the campus that's so funny and that was of course before i even knew about the concepts of like soaking which right what? I, I can't. I, the, what? the soaking is nuts. The soaking is nuts. I've heard that people will do the soaking and then like some, they'll have someone else shake a bed. That's wild. I'm like, I'm like just do just it. Just do it. Just do <laughs> what it. What are you what doing? Are, yeah. What, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Oh my god. Wait, Nickbo is so funny because I feel like like giving it a name it almost feels like they're trying to give the um, give permission to like do that. When in reality, that's just like making out with someone. Like, yeah. you know how many bar- bars I've gone to and made out with a random person, never saw them again? I nick, I was nick mowing all over the place. You were, without the confines of purity culture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know about all yeah. that. Not the way that you were experiencing <laughs> it, but. <laughs> um, yeah, but so, like, I went down to visit him. I was, like, 19 years old. Somehow got a random girl to be like, let's do this. Yeah. Which... 19 year old me uh, was not super confident. I'm still not Mm. confident, but I was very much not confident then. And so that was like my first kiss at 19 in the middle of a field in the freezing cold weather, just casually making out. Oh, that's sweet. I feel like that's, that's probably a nicer first kiss story than many people have. I mean, I don't know that I've ever, I've heard a lot of first kiss stories just because I feel like it's so like, in regular culture, it's just like something that happens at like an earlier age or, yeah. you know, it's just like a, a, a non-event that happens at yeah. past a certain age, right? So you're like, oh, sure. Yeah. I, um, I actually don't, I need to like, I would have to really think about who my first like real kiss was. Yeah, you got to go through the archive on that. Yeah. I need to open my Rolodex and figure it out. Yeah. So, okay. So that was like first kiss, group dates. When did you start like regular dating? Probably shortly after that. Mm-hmm. But so that like was still 19. like, yeah, it was like 1920-ish. And that was interesting in its own way because like in the church, once you graduate high school, instead of being in a family church, you're in mm-hmm. a singles church where it's all just single people. 
up to like 32 and then you get kicked back to the family church which feels like really cruel but that's wait that i've never heard of that before that's hilarious yeah they literally are like they're every every time you go to church it's a mixer they're trying to yep. set you up with somebody yep. and then once you're 32 you've expired and you got to go I, back to family church. i could be making that number up it was like it was like 30s ish i yeah. think so like you're around all these people and like everyone's just like looking for marriage like immediately because mm-hmm. like people would get married like they'd get engaged and like how, how long ago did you meet? And they're like, oh, like two weeks ago. And you're like, what? What? Do you, what? Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but you have all this now freedom of like not being under your parents' watchful eye all the time. And so mm-hmm. you're like, what if we, um, you know, did some hand mm-hmm. stuff? And, <laughs> did some hand uh, stuff. And- what if I had my friend shake the bed underneath us? <laughs> my god i i literally can't wrap my head around that because i'm just like i i don't know what state of mind you have to be in to be like this is for me this is for me well i feel like a pretty pretty desperate one at that point you're trying to figure out literally anything to to make it work and i I have another friend who is ex-mormon and he was talking about how like the way that he would date while he was still mormon was he would bend the rules like he Mm. would date somebody and i don't know if he ever did like the whole soaking thing specifically but he would bend the rules and like maybe he was like i don't know making out i don't know i don't remember what rules he was breaking exactly but he would justify it by saying but i'm gonna marry her so it's fine but in reality, like he he did that over and over again. And he was just trying to like justify wanting to just do all of this stuff. And it just cracks me up. It's so funny. Yeah. So now you are married, but you have, would you say ethically non-monogamous? Is that, or just like open? How do yeah, you define yeah, it? Yeah, I would say, is? I would say that's accurate. That's how we've talked about it before. And kind of the thing is, it's like, neither one of us wants to impede each other's happiness, which mm-hmm. goes into like what are relationships supposed to be, right? Like this big like question, something that I've believed for a long time is that, you know, no one should be like another person's everything. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's so yeah. much. I mean, and I want to just say like, first of all, monogamy is valid. Non-monogamy is valid. Like if you are a monogamous person, cool yeah but even so even so it like they the way that we place so much on one person now is like not normal and not how things used to be done we used to like that it takes a village mentality Mm -hmm. that we don't have anymore because we're all obsessed with individual individual um ism so much more but like yeah. in reality, it used to be that you would have you would have like, you know, some people that you that would help you with one task and other people that would help you with another. And so this partner was not your everything. Right. And now your partner is literally everything. And that's it's scary when you when you think about it that way. Yeah. And I think I mean it's not it's not fair to either person either, because like yeah. then one person feels like they have to do a lot and the other person feels like they have to do a lot and like oh i want to see a movie but this person isn't into like historical fiction or something Mm -hmm. random you know Mm -hmm. and it's like well they don't want to go see a movie so now i just can't go see the movie right like you can you can do things with other people like just in a normal capacity without having it to always be like your significant other yeah and i think that has become less 
I think. But when you grow up and monogamy is the norm and that is the standard of society and that is everything you've ever known to be true, that means that everything outside of the confines of that has become like the weird or Mm -hmm. the not normal or whatever. And so it does take a little bit of like reworking the way that you think about certain things because it's not something that you can just be like, oh, I'm going to just press this button and now I'm not monogamous. Like that's going to be a bad time for you and everyone involved. How did you, how did you start this conversation between yourself and your wife? Did, Did you know that this was something you wanted to explore before you met her? Or was this sort of like the two of you were like, you know what? I don't know. Do you want to date other people? I kind of want to date other people. And it just grew. Yeah. It was a conversation that we had like fairly early on when we were like, hey, do you want to like try this with like being with other people? I'm like, it, it was like, you know, a lot lower stakes and it's still fairly low stakes of like being more on the open end of things versus like poly where you're like, literally dating other people. Yeah. This is more of a like in the moment, like do I feel like something with somebody like Mm -hmm. that I want to explore in a sexual way? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Live your best life. But yeah, it was a conversation that was like pretty early on and we like tried it, I guess. Like we talked about it a lot beforehand and I was like, Oh, like, this is cool. I'm going to be into this, and mm. which is fine up into a point because your brain, you know, can think something's going to be great. And then mm-hmm. it actually like is staring in reality's face. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm not cool with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's always sort of that like question mark that existed of like, is this going to be okay? Or am I going to feel terrible? Or, you know, all the questions. And once once we had done it, I was like, huh, yeah, I'm good. Actually fine. Yeah. yeah no, I'm actually yeah. fine. You had said to me when we like first talked that love is not an infinite resource. Or it is a it is an infinite resource. It's not a finite resource. Yes, I guess. it's not a it's not a finite resource, right? Like yeah. it's not like I can, you know, be attracted to this person or I can love this person or whatever which means that all of my love is now gone into this person and I cannot love anything or anyone else. Like, right. That That's just not how it works. Like, yeah, I, we have two dogs. I don't love one only and the other one's just like a bystander, <laughs> right? Like I love right. them both like questionably too much. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you just, I think a lot of it is the key of most anything in life, which is like, communication right like talking about it and then also knowing that in the process of doing something like that one of you or both of you are going to make mistakes and you're going to fuck up and you just gotta like communicate through it because if you don't go in being like oh everything's going to be perfect and no one's going to make a mistake and no one's going to not communicate something they should have communicated or someone's going to say something they shouldn't have said like Mm. it'd be like this is a journey. This is a, this is a road. I know I'm like making it sound like super like flowery, but like it, it is like to a, a part, like just how you communicate with your partner and how you communicate 
just in general in your daily life with other people. Well, and I think if you're if you come to the table with the intention of like wanting to better the relationship or fine tune the boundaries so that everyone is okay, I would imagine that like the intention is so important and like and goes a long way. Like if you're if you're just trying to like get away with whatever you can, obviously that's not that's not the like ethical open relationship that we're talking about. It's like really coming to the table and saying like, okay, let's figure out how to make this work so that everybody's comfortable. Or maybe we dial it back and change our, our boundaries and like kind of figure it out as you go. Yep. Was there any, did you meet other people who were in open marriages that like helped to give you some like support or guidance? Or did you find like online communities that do that? Or did you kind of just like pave your own own path i think it's been kind of a grab bag a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. um i think one of the the biggest things is like unless you are friends with or you are the person in your friend group that's like very open about like what your relationship status is um i think there's so much of a i don't know negative or stigma around anything other than monogamy that is kind of like almost like a secret society situation where like, you don't really know like who's in it, who's not in it. Right. Um, unless you've been in the community for a while. And I, I mean, I would say we're by standards, like fairly new, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've been together for seven years, but it's still one of those things where like, you never know all of the information. You could always keep learning. Um, and I think uh, another part of it was like reading, right? Yeah. Like books that exist from people far smarter than, you know, John Smith one two three on Reddit. Are going to know a little bit more what they're fucking talking about? So how do you think? And like, obviously, every couple is going to be different, and so you can't be an, an expert on how everybody communicates. But how do you think if someone was trying to potentially open up their relationship? Like, how, how would you go about that? Something that, like, I don't know that a lot of people consider is just the environment you're in when you bring it up. Because, mm-hmm. like, that can come across in different ways. So, like, if you're, like, in the middle of making out and you're, mm-hmm. like, being like, oh, it'd be super cool if we, like, brought another person into the bedroom. Like, that yeah. can feel, like, more in the moment than being, like, hey, like, separately, like, how do you feel about this idea? Which it's, it's going to be like a scary conversation regardless. Cause you don't, most times you're not going to know what the other person's going to say, unless you've already mm-hmm. talked about it beforehand. It takes a lot of uh, work beforehand of making sure that it is someone that you feel safe having like kind of uncomfortable or scary conversations with, because there is just an unknown factor to it where you don't know how that person's going to respond. And it will be probably more than one conversation. I'll say that just because like, you know, it's probably if it's being brought up for the first time, going to be new for, for both people or at least one. Yeah. So don't anticipate it being like a, a one conversation and then you're right. just tomorrow you're open. Yeah. And I don't think it should be one conversation either. Like I think it should be like an ongoing dialogue that you have because, you know, consent in and of itself is an ongoing dialogue that you should be 
you know, mm-hmm. navigating with your partner, but especially when you are talking about like another person, um, like occupying space, mm-hmm. it's, it's especially important because like you're not only now, you know, with your partner dynamic, you also have a third party and that just by nature of numbers complicates things. Yeah. And I think another thing is like talking about what that other person is and what you're looking for in someone to join. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this is, this is one of my, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. When a guy is like, yeah, babe, let's like get another girl in the bedroom. And it's uh-huh. like, Ooh, that'd be really cool. Can we get another guy? And he's like, fuck no, that's gross. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Um, sir, your male centered pleasure view is like really out in the wind right now. Um, Yes. And it's just so like, it's, that's so unfair. I understand why that would be a really big pet peeve. That sucks. (laughs) I I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, there's the, the like hetero, heteronormativity. That's Mm -hmm. the word, right? It is. It is now. You know, that dictates like, oh, well. If we have another woman come in the bedroom and my wife wants to be with her and she wants to be with me, like everything's safe because, mm-hmm. you know, she's not going to leave with the woman, which is like, okay, why not? But right. that's the, that's the viewpoint. And then like, if it's another guy, they're like, oh no, she could like really like him a lot better. Or he does that thing with the swirl at the end. And you're like, what? what, what? <laughs> that that doesn't swirl. make, they're both equally likely in that scenario, right? Like it doesn't matter yeah. about like that. And it's a like a very like, I think ownership point of view of like, mm-hmm. this is my property versus this is like my partner. Yeah. And I yeah. don't love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to frame it actually, that it ends up being sort of possessive when it's that way that you're making the rules for the boat for both parties instead of looking at it as like a partner. I also, I liked um, the way that you suggested maybe like the first time you bring it up, knowing it's going to be several conversations, but when you're already like aroused, because I think that like you're already warmed up, you're already kind of in the mind space of like, I could potentially explore this versus like, I don't know if you're like making quesadillas together and you're like, do you want to fuck other people? Maybe like that's all that's jarring. That feels a little blunt. <laughs> like, that's all. Yeah, like, exactly. Meh, 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 meh. Like, all right. Yeah, um. Exactly. But if you, <laughs> if you're already like you're making out and then you can find a way to like make that, like that can, that could even just be a part of like how you're, um, building foreplay and whatever is like to yeah. suggest that. And then later be like, Hey, actually, I actually am kind of interested and see how it goes from there. And then just a lot of back and forth, I'm sure about like um, boundaries and stuff like that. Yeah. I think I agree with that to a point. (laughs) I think the downside of that is if the other person like really isn't on board with that idea, like that just shuts Mm. everything down immediately. Cause like, then they're going to be like, well, I'm not good enough for them. Yeah. That's what it's about. All right. Yeah. But I think even like, in that circumstance, I would hope that you're close enough to the person. If you're suggesting this, I would yeah. hope that you're close enough to the person that you know how to also make them feel secure. If that is the the 
reply and like the response that you get like okay like maybe you're not gonna have sex that night it's not that big of a deal you you tried you had that conversation which was what you wanted to do also and hopefully you know how to make your your person your partner feel more secure and um i also feel like in general people need to like get over feeling like everything that they word has to sound really like casual and breezy like Mm. In that yep. circumstance, like, yep. I think it's completely okay and appropriate to be like, I want you to feel secure. Like, how can I do that for you? And just be like, just say, just say it. Yep. Don't try it, make it into this like weird flowery, whatever, just like actually ask. And I think that you'll, you'll end up recovering from that. And I, and I think you mentioned this too, to really think about like what the purpose is for you of opening up the relationship, because yep. that will inevitably be part of the conversation too. Like, what does it mean for you to have this, this partnership now open up to explore other possibilities too? Yeah, exactly. And like for the most, I mean, like depending on how long you've been with someone, you may like know how they feel about that, you know, like, cause sometimes you'll be like in a group of people, and someone will make like a joke and then like the person's like, mm, I'm not opposed to that. And then you're like, oh, that's a conversation we can have at another point in time. Yeah. Um, but like sometimes you you don't know. But I, I would hope that, you know, you have that sort of just built in safety into the relationship of like where you can talk about those things and you can be like, this is a conversation I would like to have and to see if you know, together, we're both into this idea, or if it's not for us. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a important thing to do to make sure that you're like, kind of setting up that safety net for your partner too, of like, being like, hey, we don't have to like, finish this conversation, you know, in one sitting, we don't have to even have more than this conversation again, if you aren't into it. And like, how can I support, you know, or be sensitive if you're not feeling great about this, you know, like what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is like that you need to know your partner and you mm-hmm. also, but you also need to know like how to set up sort of that safe space. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. I feel like I learned a lot about how to start open relationships. I feel like I'm already like, I barely even answer my text messages. Ain't no fucking way I can have another relationship. <laughs> there's no well, that's, way. I mean, that's why like, there's all those different levels too, right? Like you have like poly where you're like in multiple relationships with other people. Yeah. And then you have the other end, which is just more of like open, mm-hmm. which is what I would say that, you know, we have where it's not like, not like the emotional oh, we're in attachment as much. Yeah. 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 Like I you, mean, ca- you and... care about the person enough, but you, you're not like checking in on their, right. you know, every right. day. You're not, you're not like, stuff. hey, like, let's go to a wedding together usually. You know, right. I don't know. Maybe you're in the same way together and that's just something. <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, it's, it's more towards the, like the open is more towards the physical aspect mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. which nothing wrong with that in figuring out and in having those discussions, like you can kind of figure out because like, I mean, I have enough problems dealing with someone that's not even me. Mm-hmm. I have enough problems with myself where I'm like, okay, I can do like another person. Yeah. Uh, anything more than that is nah, it's not going to happen. Maxing out. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel um, too. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, you know, being able to, see what you're both into, I guess, is 
is the short version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I'm so like happy that we got to learn all of this and you shared so much and I appreciate it so much. Um, I ask everyone who comes on the podcast if they have any specific dating advice that sticks out to you. Is there any, any golden nugget that you would like to impart dating on us advice. today? Yeah. As far as dating goes, I somehow managed to get my wife. <laughs> I, it's still a mystery to me. I don't, I don't understand it. Anyone that has seen her and I next to each other is like, how did this happen? Aww. Like, I don't know. Yeah, me. Oh, that's sweet. But I would say like, especially as you get, older which is why like when people get married like super young i'm just like you don't even know who you are yet what are you doing yeah, yeah. um which you know it works for some people whatever um but like not losing yourself in the process of trying to find someone else i think is like critical mm-hmm. because it's really easy to be like almost like in that codependent state where you're like this is my person, their personality is my personality. Then you become a hive mind and then you're just like, you know, running across the universe, conquering galaxies. So (laughs) I think it's really important to like have your own separate things, like your own hobbies, your own interests, like your own friends. And like, you know, there's, there's not like a rule or you're like, Oh, we can't have like friends that are mixing, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, just like having things that are what keeps you, you and like keeps them, them because like the reason generally the reason like why you fell in love or why you fell in lust or why you're just hanging around that person in general is because you like their personality, hopefully, you know? Yeah, (laughs) that's true. And I don't, have you read any of like Esther Perel stuff? Yes, I have. So she talks about how if you are too close to your partner, you end up forming like you're just like an amorphous blob and there's no oh, mystery yeah. and it kills like your sense of desire for the person because there's nothing to desire because they're the same freaking person. And yeah. so I think that that advice is also really helpful just to like keep the spark alive. Have a little something that you're doing that's that's your own. Take a pottery class. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like that, that way you're like you're you're still, you know, individuals and you're yeah. not a, a glob, I guess. Yeah. Is the right yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Um, um, did you want to bring up any, you were talking to me about um, like BIPOC and LGBTQ yeah. creators that you love. Is, are there any yeah. that you I mean, specifically want to talk about? So like <laughs> as a white cis male who has like very recently like come out as queer, I have only been like speaking to my own experiences and there is a whole just absolute amazing resource group of people that know their shit better than anything I could ever even fathom, which isn't surprising because they have wholly different experiences than me. But yeah, there are some just incredibly intelligent and not only that their writing is just like super concise and super to the point and you like are picking up information left and right. Specifically some people, Dr. Erica Simpson, she puts out just an absolute ton of information, especially about women's bodies and especially like people of color's bodies. I actually like sent her a message today. I was like, I learn something new every time you post. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, I follow her too. She's great. Yeah. She's fantastic. Dr. Uh, Devin Price is fantastic. Um, especially when it comes to like autism stuff, which mm-hmm. I've been learning is a possibility that I'm on the spectrum and not from TikTok. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's rough. Yeah. yeah. 
But my therapist was I, like, you should read this book by this person. And I was like, that name sounds super familiar. And then I like thought about it for three more seconds. And I was like, oh, I follow them. That's why it sounds familiar. Oh, oh that's so funny. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Gabrielle Smith, fantastic. Um, Corey Bush, uh, Intrasensual. Um, there's, like I said, there's just so many people that, um, I don't know. I feel like you should absolutely have uh, come on because they have just they they just know their shit. I don't know how else yeah. to say it. They 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 are just people that are experts in their fields, and yeah. they're so good. Um, yeah. Well, we'll definitely put them all in there, and then I'll I'll be, get busy sending some DMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I, that would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, definitely. like, I watch that and be like, I'm learning new things again. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's also nice to just hear people in long form when you only see like little snippets of their information. It's nice yeah. to get like a whole hour, like we're gonna we're gonna unpack all of it, then that yeah. you learn a lot that way. Yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, we like scratch the surface. Oh yeah, <laughs> I always feel that way. I always feel that way. Earlier today, I said to Matt, I was like, I hope I have enough questions to fill to fill an hour. We didn't get to like I think half we got of like them. Four. <laughs> Yeah, like, but it, it always happens that way because like it, there's just always so much to talk about. And, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for for these kinds of conversations because I still learned a lot and and there's still just so much. There's so much. There's so yeah. much. So thank you for coming on. This has been so thank long overdue. Of course. And OK. And also your Instagram. Fuck yes. Yeah, sex positive. But it's mm. FCK because of standards i guess i don't know <laughs> yes and then y-e-a sex positive yes. right yep. all right well thank you so much for coming on i loved chatting with you you're one of my instagram besties so it was nice to actually have a whole hour <laughs> and i loved it that was great yeah yay you so much for listening as a reminder we are always accepting questions about sex ed about relationships life advice we will accept it all we would love to hear from you so send us an email to alissa explains it all pod at gmail.com 